ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of That's Entertaining. A new year, a new format to tell you about, and joining me, Mr. Alex DeWahey. Alex, welcome back. Thanks, Nathan. So, just right off the bat, we wanted to let you know how we're changing the format just a little bit on the show. Before, we would talk about other things that we've been entertained by, and then we get into the main topic, the meat and potatoes of the show. But, we're going to change that now. This is going to be more of a, a historical archive of our thoughts and opinions on said subject. Sometimes we might have a little something after the main discussion, but really we want to make this something that is for posterity. Something significant. <laughs> so we want to make sure that this is something that is uh, able to be listened to whenever that doesn't necessarily depend on what time you're listening to it as far as you know what's happening, what movies are at in the theaters, and you know what games are popular. But we want to make sure that this is something that you can listen to seven months from now when the new Bourne movie comes out, and you can just listen to all of them and it still applies. So that's what we're going to be doing with this new format moving forward, and we just wanted to outline that a little bit with uh, our listeners so they can know what to expect. Anything to add, Alex? No, I, I think that's uh, really smart. I think, um, you know, like when I'm eating a meal, I generally just stick to the meat and potatoes anyway. I push all the other stuff to the side. No character for you. Yeah, no. no nothing green or vegetable-like, so... Unless there's um, fried veg- fried vegetables you could try, right? Yeah, dipped in a lot of nasty sauce. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, no, I, I think it's really smart for the viewers. I mean, a lot of people, at least that I know, when they, they jump on, they want to listen to a podcast. They want to listen to what they want to listen to, the content that they want to listen to. Um, so, this is going to be good. I'm excited about it. So getting past this now, let's get into our entertaining thoughts for this week with The Born Identity. Alex, this movie is, it came out when I was young, and really in that phase where this was really cool, the store was engrossing, it was a little bit probably hard for me to follow when I was a kid. Same. So going back and being able to really watch this now with, you know, knowing that we have all the sequels and we have a new one coming out this year, mm-hmm. it's really cool to understand it from my point of view now. Kind of like when we went back to the Mission Impossible movies. Yeah, absolutely. And I, there was a lot of memories that came back from my thoughts of the first Mission Impossible movie that came back with the Bourne movie as well. It, I'll just say this now. I think this is a better movie than Mission Impossible. But... Comparative to the first Mission Impossible? To the yes, first. Absolutely, yeah, I agree. First to first. But this movie, I think, has a, a far better story and more intrigue and mm. really interesting when you are able to look at this movie from a whole point of view. And I love that when I first saw this movie, we didn't know that we would get sequels. We didn't know that it was set up for, you know, the Born Supremacy, the Born Ultimatum, later on movies that like Legacy that kind of fit in there somehow. Mm-hmm. So... It's really cool to see that this movie, you know, started, what you could say really started uh, Matt Damon's career. At this least as an him, action star. As an he- action star, as a headliner, as a household name, mm-hmm. I think that this movie was probably the one that really brought him to the scene. Yeah, he'd been in other things before. Right. But. Not this type of physical role before. Right. Most people that when you say, you know, the born identity, they think of Matt Damon right off the top of their head. Mm-hmm. Or when you say Matt Damon, they may think of The Martian or something like that now. But back then, it was Bourne. Jason Bourne. Right. So what do you think about this the story, this, this movie, how it progresses, and the influences that you think this movie may have had on another franchise that kind of rebooted itself 
shortly thereafter. Well, like you, it had been a long time since I, I had seen the Born Identity. And the last time that I saw it, I believe I was very young. And, and while the special effects were cool, I, I do think it was kind of hard for me to follow the, the story as far as, like, the government conspiracy or CIA mm-hmm. plot, you know. Um, so it, it was really nice to watch it again. And, and I think it's like you said, we didn't know that we had a lot of sequels coming. Um, and I, I hadn't read any of the books that, uh, you know, it's based off of or anything like that. So... Just watching it as a standalone film was cool, but watching it as kind of like a start, you know, a first in a series Mm -hmm. makes it even better. And this could completely stand alone as its own film. It does. Great ending. And that's why I think they ended it the way that they did, Mm -hmm. obviously, just in case it didn't pick up, you know, and and take off. but. Um, surprisingly, I enjoyed Matt Damon's character. You don't like Matt Damon? I, I, I don't dislike Matt Damon, but at, at least the beginning, I was kind of watching, and I did the same thing when I watched it the first time. I'm kind of thinking, man, I wish they would have cast somebody else. I just, I, I'm not too intrigued by Matt Damon as this type of a role, this type of character. But the more that I watch the movie, the more that it progressed, then I'm sure I'll think this, the other movies that we watch... I really enjoy his character. And I read that he did, he insisted on doing a lot of his stunts, and he trained extensively to do many of his own stunts because he wanted to be that type of physical actor. Mm-hmm. And that really comes across in the movies, and I think he did a really good job. Mm-hmm. Um, Very physical movie, for sure. Absolutely. And, like, the hand-to-hand combat scenes were really cool to watch, too. Not, you know, Bruce Lee or anything like that, but... Good for a, a modern American. It's like a crime spy movie. So mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's a thriller. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And I mean, it was a. I thought the story was really, really good. I think um, the way that it's filmed, it's they kind of they bring up separate pieces. This is a piece here. This is a piece here. This is a piece here, and then it all kind of ties together at the end. So maybe this is one of those movies that you have to watch a second time. It does benefit from repeat viewings, yeah. like Star Wars or something like that. Absolutely. It, it gets better because the first time you watch it, you're kind of trying to take it all in. Yeah. But really, when you go back and then look at, see what's happening, mm-hmm. you can take in a lot more of that detail. Yeah, definitely uh, definitely uh, watch it twice. And if you haven't seen it in like, you know, the last five years or so, go back and watch it again. Because um, going in, I, I kind of, I knew what it was about, and I kind of remembered most of the other movies I remembered, like The Bourne Ultimatum, uh, really stuck out, you know, but it had been a really long time since I'd seen Bourne Identity. It was the last time that we saw Damon as Bourne, probably, too, because that's yeah. kind of where the story mm-hmm. is left off at yep. that point. Yeah, so going back, I I remembered most of that movie, but watching The Bourne Identity again, I was able to appreciate it a lot more because I had kind of a good idea of, you know, what was going to happen and the fact that I had seen it once before. So definitely a repeat viewing. Um, but, uh, I, mean, I mean, I thought the acting was really good. I didn't care too much for the female lead. She was okay. There was nothing yeah. wrong with her as a character. It was fine. Yeah, nothing nothing wrong. Just... I mean, this isn't a Bond girl. We're, we're not looking for that kind of character for this Maybe this there should be born girls. No. Because <laughs> the reason is because he... He's he's there's been an awakening, right? He sure. he woke up as a new person who didn't know who he was. Mm. Trying to find out who he was, met this girl along the way who helps him out for some some mm. money and just he's trying to figure it out too. She's intrigued, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. There's what ten twenty thousand dollars on the line. Yeah. For a ride to Paris. Right. 
So she doesn't know what she's getting into. Mm-hmm. She's freaked out because then she sees people coming after her with her picture. Mm-hmm. You know, how'd they get this picture? This was yesterday. The character is not a a Bond girl in that set, in that aspect, right? Because yeah, I think they're going for a very just average, just... Right, just someone that you would walk right off, to, the off the street. street type exactly. Of, yep. And I think that was perfect. Yeah. Like, she pulled that off perfectly in this movie, and... When you look at the characterization that becomes what she is, she becomes a romantic interest, mm-hmm. and it's a natural progression. Yeah. And it's not so unbelievable that you wouldn't be, like, just walking down the street and then find this, you know, busty, blonde, bombshell, blonde, whatever, oh, like, yeah. oh, I want the embassy, too. Oh, I'm not saying her looks had anything to do with me not liking her. I'm just saying, as a, as a character, I thought, even as a, you know, just an average person off the street, I thought they could have gotten somebody a little more... I guess, believable. I thought she was pretty believable. Really? Yeah. I mean, I, I attached to the character. Uh, you, you must not have. You must have just yeah. been kind of like, and just, she's a plot device for you. I didn't, I didn't feel sorry for her for any of the hardships that she might have gone through to, to end up at the point that she was at when we first meet her, you know, in the movie. I didn't, I didn't feel sorry for her. I didn't empathize with her at all. Right. So she was a drifter. Right, she's kind of going, she's not homeless. Right. I don't take the sense that she's homeless, but she's moved around from place to place in the past few years, and so she goes back to one of the places that she was at. Right. Uh, so you, get a, you, don't ha- you don't know a lot about what's happening with this character, with right. her, before you get to uh, that homestead. I'll Correct. Call it. Yeah, yeah, and they don't really go into too much detail. You hear her talk about some stories in the car when she's riding with Matt and then when they're at the house again, but... Uh, yeah, I, I just I don't think they did a good job with character development. I don't think she did a good job uh, making me empathize with her. I didn't I didn't empathize with her, and I also didn't feel any chemistry between her and Matt Damon. So at the end of the movie, you know what what have they known each other for? How long during this whole process? A couple days. But at the same time, with Matt Damon, born awakening, you know, being recovering from amnesia, her being the only person that's supporting him, that's caring for him during this process, mm-hmm. being through what they're being through, being chased around, the shock of all of it, I buy that as a relationship between two humans, right? This It doesn't feel super romantic. Maybe, romantic. In, the, maybe in the thick of the moment. I, right. I think what, what, what I got turned off by is at the very end when she's, you know, and the boat shop or scooter shop or whatever. Well, she, he changed her life and enabled her right. to do that, though. Right. I guess I just didn't believe, and I didn't, I don't know, I just kind of got turned off by when he showed up, her reaction to him. It it was more like somebody that had a very huge impact on your life. And I know that he, you can say that he did, right? But, like, a couple of days doesn't account for that type of emotional reaction. He completely changed her life, though. She was a drift. She was a drifter, trying to figure out her passport stuff. Tr- she had dreams of doing things. She was driving around on this little car. She was living out of her car, from what we could tell, really right. too. Mm-hmm. So he he gives her this money. She goes away, and because of what he did, there was an awakening in her too. Right, and she was able to to make her little shot. It's like the word of the year, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> the word of last. This is our two thousand fifteen. So he changed her life. So yeah. You would think, like, this person came into your life out of nowhere, mm-hmm. changed your life, had such an impact on you. You had this... He, he cares about you, obviously, because he doesn't... He's how trying much, to... How much can he care about you, though, in three days that you're with? He doesn't even know who he is. He's and caring about I... her because he's a boy caring about somebody. And then at one point in the movie, she's prepared to leave. At several different points in the movie, she thinks about leaving. 
Mm-hmm. Just because she doesn't have a connection to this character. And then when she finds out that he may or may not be an assassin, she wants to leave him again. Mm-hmm. It's not somebody that should have warranted that type of reaction. It should have been uh, like more of like a surprise and then a happy reaction, not an emotional, I'm about to fall to the floor and cry because I'm so happy to see you reaction. That, that's reserved for somebody that you're very close emotionally to. That That's just kind of turned me off at the end. I, I just... I wish they would have done more character development with her. I'm not saying she needs to be a Bond girl, mm-hmm. right? I just, I wish I would have, just me, my my thoughts, I just didn't empathize with the character too much. And I didn't, I didn't like, or not necessarily didn't like, I just, I didn't find the emotional and uh, romantic relationship successful. And like I said, it didn't feel romantic to me. There wasn't a whole... During which part? Their, <laughs> their, their relationship didn't really feel super romantic, but it was a different level. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's an experience that they've been through that I've never been through. I don't know about you. But I've never been through being chased. Oh, yeah, I totally <laughs> you know? been through that. Yeah. I've never been through this whole, <laughs> this whole stuff. But it's hard to say how someone would react to that situation. That's true. You know? So I don't fault the character, the actor, or anything... Other than maybe we just need a little more detail, a little more... Sounds like what you would have wanted was a little more backstory about why you should care about that character. Because otherwise, she's just a plot device. Yeah, and I think I think acting kind of plays a part into that, though, right? Because even, even with little backstory, the way that you act and emotions that you can portray with your character says a lot about your backstory without having to know it. I, I think a better actress could have made me empathize with her more. Could have made me wanting her to 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 get out of there. You're wanting them to be together. I, I agree with you. It didn't feel like uh, a, a huge romantic. You know, I found the love of my life during right. this process. It it's very much just two people trying to help each other to get by. Um, but that was my only thing that I didn't like about the movie. I think that that would be the only thing that I would change. So you mentioned a little bit ago about the action in the movie and how you liked the action. In the oh movie. yeah. Is there another film series that you believe that may have been influenced by the Bourne identity when it was relaunched? Uh, so you're influenced by Bourne. So Bourne came out first, right? And then you're saying, I, I don't know which one you're getting at here. So It's not I, Mission Impossible because that came first. I always put this to when they kind of relaunched Bond with Daniel Craig and okay. Casino Royale. He felt a lot more visceral, a lot more actiony. Kind of emulating Bourne in the way we see him act, right? And mm-hmm. the way we see them film that. Very gritty, raw, it seems, at times. Yeah. Especially when he's, you know, combating the, the guy in the close quarters, you know, of the uh, apartment. And the guy comes in. He's got a pin. Yeah. And he just uses a pin to pretty much, you know, take this guy out. Yeah. I think we get similar situations in the, in the new, in like Casino Royale or Quantum... More Casino than Quantum, really. Yeah. That you can kind of see where that comes from. And I buy it more as Jason Bourne than I do as James Bond, because that's not the type of person that James Bond is. James Bond isn't the super soldier. He's an English British, or an English gentleman. He's just a real suave, yeah, he's he's not like that. Jason Bourne is, well, we don't know this yet, right, but he's, he's a super soldier. You know what I mean? More I mean, or less, yeah. Yeah, he's a super soldier. And I really like how... When they showed, I think the first time they showed it was not so much on the ship when he was injured. It was when he was sleeping on the bench 
in Germany, I believe it was, where it starts, and the officers where come it up. starts to come, coming where, back. Yeah, it's just an instinctive reaction, and the moves are so crisp and so perfect and so powerful. Mm-hmm. That's when it's like, whoa. Mm-hmm. Those, those are the moments that I like. Um, I think the whole... The whole journey of not knowing who he was, finding all this stuff out, and just trying to, to you know, get by not knowing what's going on, just instinctively reacting to what you may or may not have been, you know, wh- whatever you may have been before you forgot. Mm-hmm. I think that is the best story. And I think, I, from what I remember, I think that might be better than the other couple ones. Definitely a lot of the James Bond movies. This is a really good story, and I love this one a lot. Um and some could say the plot device of him forgetting who he was, the amnesia, could be kind of uh, whatever. That's just a stupid thing. But it was really played off well in this movie. You felt for him. Mm-hmm. Yep. He doesn't know why he's out there in the ocean. He's trying to figure things out. There's a scene where he's talking to himself in a mirror. Like, this is a guy who's legitimately, and you feel for him, yep. doesn't know who he is, where he's coming from. But at the same time... He knows how to, you know, do all this stuff with knives or looking for all these exits and everything. Try Cut to... hair. <laughs> right. <laughs> he's, he's going through all the situations in his mind and he doesn't know why. Yeah. So it just goes to show that when he was going this treadstone training, that's muscle memory. And right. that's muscle memory coming back to him that is so innate within him that even that's more to his core than who he personally is. Right. Because you see when he goes to the the bank that he's got all these different passports and everything he's like who am i mm-hmm. he doesn't know he he's like well i had a meeting as as this guy so i i am this guy i am this guy right and then he finds out but i'm also know, this guy yeah and then this guy and we find out probably i think it's in either supremacy or ultimatum what his real name actually is mm-hmm. and so all this he he still doesn't know who he is right so it's it's quite an interesting journey that he goes on and that's why when you look at this as the first in a series of movies, it holds up better than if it was just, this is the Born Identity. Standalone movie, you're kind of wanting more. Even though it feels like it, it, it's a decent length movie, right? You feel like you want more at the end because there's so many questions that are unanswered. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't know what you were going to say. I think I kind of jumped in there. No, so... That. Thinking about this movie too, I don't believe that they made this movie thinking that they were going to have a sequel. Um, I think that Robert Ludlum, who is the author of the Born Identity books that these mm-hmm. are adapted from, he didn't he didn't plan on making a sequel to the Born Identity. Mm-hmm. He had never made a sequel up to the point uh, of the Born Supremacy, and he doesn't he didn't even refer to it as a sequel. He referred to it as another Jason Bourne story. Right. So. Really, when you look at it from the aspect of, was this a satisfying standalone movie? Yes or no? I'd, I'm kind of on the fence. I, I, I think I'd be inclined to say yes. This was a satisfying... Because it had solid action it, and a good did. story. Solid action, good story, and it had somewhat of a resolution at the end. There's still questions I want answered. There are still, you know... Things that need to be accounted for. That's that's why I'm on the fence. But as generally, yes, it was a decent standalone movie. Well, a good story doesn't answer all the questions. A good story leaves it to the reader to decide. True. A good story, and I hate to keep bringing this up, but The Force Awakens came out, right? And there are questions that people have. Right, but we know that there's going to be an episode 8 and 9, yeah. But what's happening now in between the two is people are talking about it. Mm-hmm. They're the good storytelling that's there 
leaves the desire of wanting to have more of that story. But is, does the desire to want more mean that you are satisfied? So let's say you go and get an amazing dinner, right? You get steak, you get potatoes or whatever, sure. and you eat it all. There's so much there. It's all you can eat, right? You know there's more to go get. And you know your, your fiancé or your wife had something else. She's like, man, I wish I would have tried that too. How did that taste? Mm-hmm. Those are the questions that you're left asking, knowing that if you talk to someone, you get their opinion, their thoughts. But you could just as well make up your own thoughts and opinions. Mm-hmm. But next time you go back, you're going to check it out. That's what this is. The next time you go back, meaning the sequel? Yes. <laughs> Dinner, the sequel. <laughs> Perfect. Steak and egg, strike back. There you go. <laughs> so it's one of those things where I think that this movie at a base level, is a great story. Mm-hmm. It stands well on its own, even better as the first chapter of a series of, of stories. I agree. So when looking at this, yes, we're going to be going through the, the you know, Born Supremacy, Born Ultimatum Legacy, and then the fifth one, whatever they call it later on this year. But this movie was supposed to be its own, and it, in my opinion, it stands up well as its own. It innovated the way I think that American audiences uh, feel about action because mm-hmm. this kind of changed the way it was. Mm-hmm. Before this, action movies were not as visceral. It's like you said. It's like action movies were Mission Impossible. Right. Like that was like the epitome of action at that time. So this came out in 2002. Oh, so before this, we had... So it was very stylized action at that point. You think of uh, Spider-Man. I think yep. that came out just before this. Um, and The Matrix was in 99. Star Wars was big back then, too. That was all stylized action. Mm-hmm. But this kind of made it visceral, m- yeah. more believable, more human than it was before. Yeah. And it's this has survived. This type of action has survived. You look at the movies that followed... You know, the Bourne movies obviously continued this up. Taken movies, Bond, as I said, kind of picked it up. Even uh, Mission Impossible has now emulated some of the things that you find in this. There's other movies that have come out, and this is is kind of the norm. This was the trendsetter at the time. And standalone or series, I think that would have been the case. It would have still set that that trend, really. I agree, but I'm glad they they came out with the... uh... The sequel, because you got because you got to go back for that other steak dinner. You got to go back. I for did, more. and and I think after I watched the rest of them, it's it, it reflects better on this movie. Like you said, it's a good standalone movie, and it might have been innovative at the time. But if it didn't come out like in a series, I I don't know if I don't know if we'd be talking about it right now. So talking about same kind of parallel we we have with Mission Impossible, right? Mm-hmm. That first Mission Impossible movie came out. Yeah, it was okay. At the time, it was really good. But looking back on it now... Maybe visually, yeah. Right. But looking back on it now, it's kind of just okay. Mm-hmm. But it serves as an introduction to the characters that you come to know more of in the in the story. So from a perspective of storytelling, it's important. But, I mean, we I think we both said, like, you could skip one, really, and two, because it's a fever dream, and you start with three. Right, but it's like, it's the same, same concept, though, right? If they didn't come out with those other Mission Impossible movies, would we have even discussed Mission Impossible? Right. So talking about Bourne, mm-hmm. if they, if you kind of parallel what we know with Mission Impossible and just saying you can skip it, yeah, 
Could you say that you could skip the Bourne Identity? No. Why? Because the stories tie too closely together because they really are sequels. Right. They're, they're definitely <laughs> direct d- sequels. D- yeah, despite, I mean, despite maybe uh, what Robert Ludlum saying that it's just another Bourne movie, mm-hmm. it really, it, it all comes back to this is Jason Bourne. This is where he came from, what you know of him, right? This is his story. This is how his story starts. And you have to see that, get that foundation before you can enjoy the other ones. Right. Although I'm sure the other ones are going to hold up well on their own as action movies. Mm-hmm. But if you want that that deep story behind it. If you just want to go to this movie theater and eat popcorn and not really care about the story, you're, mm-hmm. you're going to be satisfied on any of these movies. Yeah. But the fact that you have the story underlying that continues, that grows with each movie. Right. I think it adds a lot more depth layer to it, too. That's what makes a movie stand out for me, too, yeah. right? When you can enjoy that part of it, but it also has that really deep story to it. Right. That, that's what makes a film-going experience so fun, to yeah. me, is because there are blatant movies that are just action, that have no story. But, this, like, Transformers, you know, all the sequels of Transformers, <laughs> what story is there really right. to tell there? But it's just action. It's eye candy. That's right. all it is. It's a popcorn movie. People say they refer to movies as, you know, a movie that I can turn off my brain and go watch. Right. As much as I appreciate that statement and I understand what that statement is, I don't like movies that are turn off your brain and go watch it. Mm-hmm. I like to be entertained, but I also like to be treated with respect as an audience member, knowing that what's happening on the screen, there's a there's a story, there's something being told. there's a there's a narrative that I want to follow there's here. There's a purpose to why it's exactly. being filmed and why this is happening. Something and, yeah, something yeah. To, to drive the motivation to, to engross you in it. Otherwise, if you're just watching these movies with all these explosions and stuff on the screen, and yeah, there are explosions in this, but you're checking your phone, like what's happening, whatever. With a movie that has a good story and a good narrative, you're not doing that. Yeah. You're engrossed in the characters and what's happening, and you want to see the nuance. There's a lot of acting without saying anything in this movie, too. You know, you look at just the way people look and the way people act and the way he's kind of paranoid and looking yeah, around. Yeah, I love it. It's, it's well done. Yeah. That's what I think about the Born identity. And I definitely recommend this movie as a standalone movie. If you're only going to watch one movie, you have to watch this one. It's got to be this one, yeah. I agree. It has to be, because this is the one that establishes the character, mm-hmm. and really, you get to understand. Because if you were to jump in with Supremacy or Ultimatum, I mean, you, you could start again with Legacy again, because it's a completely different thing. But if you were to jump into Supremacy, you wouldn't know the characters. You no, wouldn't understand your brain would why. be turned off. I mean, you'd appreciate maybe some of the action scenes, but... Mm-hmm. But you have no investment at that point. Right. So that's why I'm looking forward to continuing on and talking about the war and supremacy because oh, yeah. we'll get more of the story, we'll get more of the narrative. And it's been a long time since I've watched these, all of these movies, really. Mm-hmm. Legacy is the one I've seen most recently because it's the most recent. But these, the first three are definitely, in my opinion, great movies Yeah, that tell a complete narrative that will be expanded upon this year when it, with the release of the new one. So even though it's complete at this point, and I'm satisfied with the story, I'm going to go back for that steak dinner the second time. Oh, the yeah. fifth time, really. Oh, yeah. Any final thoughts? Oh, one more thing. Oh, yeah. This movie has a really cool soundtrack. I like it a lot. Oh, yeah? This is one of the movies that when I was uh, when I would drive around in my car, I would always kind of blare this soundtrack because it was kind of electric, kind of... It was not orchestrated. Yeah. But it just kind of has electric and 
it fuels you, kind of motivates you. It was a good driving album, is what I would always call it. And then it had a cool little Moby song at the end. And I this is my introduction to Moby. And I was like, oh, who's this Moby guy? And then kind of went from there. But so does it have a theme song? Like you know, you can you can think of the Mission Impossible theme song. What <laughs> what's the Born? So the, the the what comes to mind for me is. I can't even I can't even emulate it what it sounds like. See, then it, they need to refine it. it. They need to have their own born. So there's there's thing. two themes really. There's the action theme, mm-hmm. which is like, <laughs> <laughs> and it just starts just like and it, and it goes down. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, yeah. Whenever action starts to start, that's what comes up. But trust me, when you watch the movie, you'll, you'll hear it. You'll understand. <laughs> but then there's also like the the intrigue theme, the thought, what's happening, the story theme, mm-hmm. which is like. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you know better, I mean, right? You're getting better. <laughs> yes. Those are the themes. And it's not really that there is a... There's no Imperial March. You, there's you know no, there's no though, Jason right? Bourne March. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, though, right? They right. need a marketable, catchy theme. Almost like a slogan theme. Right? Well, that's kind of what they had with this Moby song at the end of the movie. Right. Extreme Ways. Mm-hmm. That was kind of their, their catchy theme And I don't remember if it's used in the future movies or not. But uh, not sure. That, that's a, that's another thing that I think it's lacking. But I agree with you. This this is a very good standalone movie, and I think it's very innovative into what future spy action thriller movies, whatever you want to call it. What it was very in, innovative movie for all those future movies. So uh, definitely worth a watch. And if you're gonna watch it. You gotta watch this one out of the whole series, right? Yeah, because if you were to say watch one born movie, it has yeah. to be the first one. But the first one is not my favorite, except I, that, not that's from what, what I, I remember. Same. Yeah, that's what I would say too. Is like if you're gonna watch one, it has to be the first one. But if you're gonna watch, you know, all of them, my favorite one is yet to come. So okay, we'll just keep it nameless for right now. Be nameless for now, yes. So if you were to rank this one against one, what would it be? It's going to be number one on my list right now. Yes! <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, what did you think about the born identity? The born identity. Sometimes I like kind of run that word together. Like, what do you think they're going to call the fifth one, right? I mean, identity, supremacy, ultimatum, legacy. Legacy seems like a really good one to end off. How do you come back? So he's already had his... He's already figured out who he is. He's already become supreme. So then, then he was... You know, we already offered them the ultimatum. Um, then there was a legacy because it was somebody else and it doesn't matter. So, bor- the born, I told you not to come back. <laughs> awesome. The born, get off my lawn. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, what did you think? Uh, shoot us an email. That's entertaining at gmail.com or send us a tweet at entertainingpod on Twitter. Alex, are you on Twitter? I am at D O U E 1 H 1. And I am on Twitter at Sith Nightmare. Now, before we end, like I said, I just wanted to say if there's anything else entertaining that we wanted to discuss, this would be the quick little time. But for me, there was a couple things because I watched uh, the Netflix series everybody's talking about now, mm-hmm. uh, Making a Murder. I got the gist of it today. Yeah. Uh, it was an interesting uh, documentary. I think it deserves to be known what happened in that case it's long though it's 10 episodes and they're all about an hour each so it was too long but i think what happened the way it was presented gives you the full facts but you can easily read like a summary of what happened and it's really interesting because to me 
I'm not going to spoil anything, but it's it was interesting to watch it, and mm-hmm. I'm glad that I have watched it. It's not something that I regret, but sure. I'm not going to go back and watch it again. Sure. The other thing that I watched was the Sherlock Holmes Christmas special thing that they did. <laughs> nice. Called The Abominable Bride. Okay. How's that? So it's very interesting. I'm not going to spoil this either, but it's uh, set in the like eight, was it 1800s when Sherlock Holmes stories were actually being yeah. you know set and themed. And so the same actors, everything, nice. are back in the 1800s setting. Really cool, really interesting. Cool. Uh, some cool callbacks to the other, ep- uh, you know, first two or three seasons of the show, mm-hmm. and uh, it was interesting. I recommend it. It's actually going to come out on Blu-ray and DVD tomorrow. Oh, awesome! Well, how did you watch it? Uh, I was on aired on PBS. Okay. Also, speaking of PBS, Downton Abbey is back. Jennifer really enjoys Downton Abbey, so nice. I also will enjoy Downton Abbey. Mm-hmm. And I, <laughs> I uh, by virtue, <laughs> by virtue, and it's not a bad show. It's actually really good, really entertaining, well-told story. There are very few explosions at mm-hmm. Downton Abbey, <laughs> nice. But it's actually a really clever story, well done, and it's uh, it's worth a look to if if you're curious. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure Molly would enjoy it if she hasn't watched it yet, but Jennifer quite enjoys it. And my mom does too, so nice. if that tells you anything. My mother does enjoy Downton Abbey. And I think as well. my dad actually kind of likes it too. Really? I was talking to him a little bit, <laughs> and I think he actually. I've never likes seen it. an episode. I haven't seen an episode. It's not bad. And then if you want to borrow the DVDs, obviously I can lend those to you. But that's that's we'll an off-topic discussion. <laughs> so, anything else that you want to add before we close out the show this day, this um, day, this week, whatever this is? Let's see. I started. Uh, see, I go back and I rewatch stuff because I love rewatching really good. You know, TV shows that I grew up and I love watching. Uh, MacGyver? I'm, I'm taking Molly through 24 because she's never seen 24. I've only seen the first couple oh, seasons of it. It's one of my favorite TV shows. It was one of my favorite TV shows, but then it just kind of jumped the shark. Yeah, it was like seasons one through six I enjoyed a lot. Seven and eight kind of went off the rail a little bit. I think I stopped after three or during three. Yeah, that's about when they kind of cut off the original cast and like brought in a whole bunch of new people and focused on their story. I'll never forget the first time I watched 24, though. Like the first season, yeah, because it was just it was my first binge experience, yeah. Because the the DVDs I think were out, and I could yep. go rent them at, at the video store. That's what I did too. Yep. And I went and got them, and it was one of those things where I was like, I can't believe I can just keep watching this show. I know. And it was so good, and one of the things that stuck out to me really was this scene where they're gonna kill this girl, and they're in a van mm-hmm. driving over. And they're gonna like shoot her out the window, mm-hmm. but something happens and they don't. That's like I don't know exactly. An ambulance this... shows up. Is that what it was? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the only thing that I can that really stands out to me from that, and oh, it was yeah. just like really impactful. I was like, Are they gonna do this? What? Yeah. What are they this doing? Was, this was a, a a TV show yeah. on, on a major broadcast on Fox. on Fox, right? Yeah. But anyway, it we're going through. We're watching that again. Those are on Amazon Prime, right? Or Amazon on Prime is Netflix. where I'm watching okay. that. Yep. Yeah. Um, Let's see, we, we've been playing a new a couple new video games, uh, believe it or not. What? Yeah, we, we kind of been getting bored with uh, our current rotation of games, so um, we really enjoy playing Resident Evil together, so we're going through Revelations 2. How does that work to play it together? Uh, there's a split-screen co-op. Oh, okay. But uh, we also downloaded the demo of Dying Light, and I actually think we're going to purchase that. Um, it reminds me a lot of Dead Island, if you ever played Dead Island, but it's like, it's like zombie parkour, like... It's very intense. 
you just you run around. You you can jump and climb on basically anything you can get your hands on. Mm-hmm. It's really intense. It's really cool. There's lots to do, and uh, we can play it cooperatively, separately. So um, they got they got a lot of stuff in there. Um, you know, a lot like Dead Island, you can make your own weapons, you can uh, customize your own skills and, and stuff like that. And it's just uh, open world, so mm-hmm. it's kind of nice. The zombies are very challenging. Um, so if you're looking for a good zombie game, I'd recommend Dying Light. It's only 30 bucks, I think, on uh, in the Xbox store, so pretty cheap. So that reminds me, I since I think last we talked, I had started Tomb Raider, but I completed Rise of the Tomb Raider now. Yeah, you said that. Uh, great story. I It needs to... People need to play that game. Plain yeah. and simple. It's it's excellent. Um, probably my Xbox One game of the year for sure. Mm-hmm. Exclusive. My yeah. overall game of the year is still going to be Witcher, but Rise of the Tomb Raider was magnificent. I recommend that. Yeah. And I've also been going back because they added it on backwards compatibility, and nice. I realized that I must have never really played it, but I bought it a long time ago, was the Lego Star Wars The Complete Saga. Nice. And I think I played both individually, the prequel one and then the other one. Yeah. And I, I bought this one, but I never played it because I only had one achievement in it, and that mm-hmm. was from, like, 2009. It was, oh, like, boy. 13 days before I got married. It was the last achievement. <laughs> so I went back, and I've been kind of playing through some of that, and that was a fun game, just kind of silly. Yeah. You know, it's... There are some dark tones to Star Wars, you know, as you play through, especially mm-hmm. prequels, but it's just focused on... It, the way they present it is so good, so yeah. friendly for, for anybody to play it and watch it. So I've been kind of going through that again. I started with episode one, I went through there, and now I'm in episode two right now. So nice. it's just kind of fun because you can play. It takes less than an hour to get through a chapter, mm-hmm. and there's six chapters for the, each episode. Okay. So I don't know if I'll ever complete this 100%, like because going around and collecting everything and getting all that stuff. Right. But I'll play through all the story again and yeah. get that taken care of. So, But that's what I've been uh, entertained by other than our Bourne experience. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching the... Uh... The Supremacy. I, I, I Of all the Bourne movies, I think that's the one that I remember the least about. And that's the one that really solidified me in liking the franchise a lot. So, Okay. Awesome. Look, uh, at least I think it is. So I'm super looking forward to watching that yeah. and talking about that with you. That'll be next week, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you have been entertained. <laughs> <laughs>